Grab your Bibles. All right, everybody, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to jump in to the text this morning. We are finishing this morning this series called Canceled and just taking an opportunity to look at the cancel culture, the rage culture, the outrage culture, if you will. Uh, and this is our final morning to just begin to address some of the themes that we feel and see and experience uh, in the culture and the world around us today. And so I'm gonna take time, I'm gonna pray over us, uh, and then we'll dive into the word. Father, would you be with us this morning? Would you lift our head that we could see you? above our circumstances. And this year has been what it is, Lord. We're asking you to lift our heads above the chaos of our circumstances to see you, to see your faithfulness and your goodness, to see your power and life in and over us. That's what we want to see. You're our hope. So we're leaning into you, Lord. You're where we're running. We make that declaration in your name. Amen. Amen. One of the most experienced emotions, <clears throat> we've gotten to talk a bunch about those in this series. We've talked about anger, but one of the other ones that we've yet to just address is disappointment. It's one that we all have. We experience disappointments when our expectations don't get met. And we see this in many different ways, right? We, we all want to be treated fairly uh, when we go to a place uh, and we're exchange, you know, we're, we're going to buy something, you buy something and it breaks down. It's disappointing, right? That's, we have an expectation that when you go and you get something that it will work, right? And it's really frustrating when it doesn't. It could be like that, right? We have an expectation to be cared for by those around us, right? Those, the people that are in our families. We have an expectation to be cared for. We, have an expe we expect those that are in authority over us to cover us, right? To give some measure of covering and care for us. Those are, these are expectations that we all have in life. And there's different levels of that and there's different degrees of it in our lives. But so often, the expectation doesn't get met. And we'll see this everywhere. Part of the cancel culture movement is we'll look at and see leaders falling short in some way, whether it's political leaders or community leaders, or we see people that we, you know, they, they were in a really cool movie that we loved and we find out they're horrible and, you know, or they did something horrible, right? That's part of the cancel culture as we see that they did something bad and then all of a sudden uh, we're disappointed and we find ourselves regularly being disappointed and so we have expectations of people. Some are fair, some are not fair. But what it happens is it drives us towards disappointment, anger, and resentment when we see people falling short. And we have this experience, not just of those kind of out there, but we experience this also with those that are nearest to us, right? That those that we're in closest relationship with, those disappointments feel greater. To the degree that we might be angry about some, someone who fell short in the world around us, it's the ones that are close to us often where the deepest disappointments are experienced. Right? That marriages often dissolve over the issue of unmet expectations, right? Because if we're being honest about uh, even how 
marriage doesn't even relationships go, right? The marriage doesn't break down because he can't remember to pick up his dirty socks, right? That's a marriage doesn't fall apart because that, or the marriage doesn't fall apart because she never wants to do any of the fun things that I want to do. That's not the issue, right? What is it? It's hundreds and hundreds of constant unmet expectations that never get discussed and never get talked about. And what happens is, is something starts to build inside. Something begins to bury itself down inside and those disappointments become hurts. And what happens is, as eventually those hurts and wounds we have become judgments. Judgments we begin to make about people. This is true, not just, of course, in marriage, but in any and all of our relationships, we, places where we put our trust, where the expectations aren't met. We put hope or expectations somewhere. The disappointment is felt, but when it never goes talked through, when it never comes to the light, what it does is it begins to seed itself down. And where there is broken trust, whether it's someone that's close to you or someone in the public eye, one of two things begins to happen. We wrestle with unforgiveness, right? Because those hurts build up and either the hurts begin to build up or the hurt is so huge that we just say, I could never forgive. I could never forgive. And we stand in that position because of the nature of the hurt or the judgments begin to form and we lock down the hurts inside and we start to look at someone through a lens of that judgment. And so what we start to say is things like that person is horrible. What a, this is what a judgment sounds like. That person is, or, or that person will never change. And you may not have said it out loud, but I can guarantee you we've all had moments where we thought it in our heads. And we begin to make judgments about a person. And here is what the word of God is going to say. That it doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you come from. There are two things that the Lord is going to warn us about every person, those that are made in his image, and he's going to warn. And he's going to say, these things will destroy you from the inside out. And he says, those two things are unforgiveness and judgments. They'll destroy you. I'd, I'd like to say, not just destroy you personally, but uh, this in, in light of the cancel culture is becoming crippling over our nation right now. The spirit and attitude of judgment, unforgiveness and judgments we make against each other. Last, uh, not even about 11 months ago, I did a series on unforgiveness. And if you, I would, I would encourage you to go back and you can listen to that, to that series on unforgiveness. It would be really helpful. I want to jump past unforgiveness and I want to speak specifically to judgments this morning and look at what the word has to say about that uh, and how we can begin to move into what God's heart is for us because God has life for every one of us. He wants us to walk in the ways that he thinks about all of life, and it's available to every one of us. And so we're going to look at what happens when we make judgments against people, when we, whether it's politicians or movie stars or bosses or employees or spouses or kids or whatever it is. But it's becoming so normalized in our culture. It's becoming almost a normal part of the way that we live, and yet it's creating this sludge deep down inside. So I want us to look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. We'll start in verse 1. Here's what, here's what Jesus says. Judge not that you be not judged. 
For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you'll clearly see, clearly, you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, there's so much here to unpack, but the the first thing you kind of get here is that part of the reason that the Lord does not want us to stand in judgment of others is because we're so often clouded by our own brokenness. And this, let me tell you, when the Lord's speaking this, he isn't speaking it angrily. He's going, church, let's just be first willing to see our own brokenness before we stand with a pointed finger over someone else. This is how the church was meant to function. So he holds that up. But he unpacks this principle before that. And this is a principle that's true for every person. That when we stand in judgment of others, we are opening ourselves up to be judged. This is the principle. It's true for every person. Doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. Doesn't matter whether you follow Jesus or not. This is a true principle for all of humanity. Right? When God says a truth is a truth, it's true for all people. And here's what he's saying. When you stand in judgment of others, we're opening ourselves up to be judged. It's like signing a legal document to say your enemies have an open field to come bring heap judgment on you. And I'd say when I say your enemies, I mean especially the enemy. That it's just signing on to say, bring it. Have your way. Bring your judgment on me. Now, I don't know anyone that wants to live that way. I don't know anyone that wants to think that way. And yet, as we stand in judgment, this is what happens. And so Paul actually highlights this principle in Galatians chapter 6. He says, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. So the principle is this, that the thing that you do or the thing that you give is the thing that you will receive. So he's highlighting this principle. That whatever you're putting in, whatever is coming out of your heart and mouth is also what's gonna come back on you. And this principle is true for, again, all people. Now, I've got to share with you, over the pandemic, we got to build a garden. It was awesome. We got this awesome garden. It's so fun. We love it. My wife made it pretty. It's not just a garden. It's kind of like a, an experience. If you go out there, right? It's like, oh, that's how, so you kind of have to sing that when, no, you don't, don't, don't sing that. But if you came over, you'd experience this little garden. It's really awesome. It's fun. It's great. And so we started to plant stuff. I say we started, my wife started to plant things in the garden. I didn't plant anything. But so, so she, she planted things. Craziest thing happened. Craziest thing. Where she planted corn, guess what came out? It was corn. This is the craziest thing. <laughs> she put like seeds, she put like jalapeno seeds in the ground. And then what shot up, like right in that place, it was jalapenos. Fascinating stuff. And where she put flowers, like flowers came up. 
And then once you put herbs, like the herbs came up. And it's this weird principle that whatever you are putting in, you're going to get back. And Jesus is trying to point to the principle just for us to see and understand. Listen, it might feel good in the moment to be critical and angry and judgmental towards everybody that doesn't think and feel like you do. But guess what? When you put that into the ground, guess what's coming back? Corn. No, no, judgment, right? (laughs) Judgment is what's coming back. When you seed and sow, judgment is coming right back. And that's the principle. Jesus wants us to see, and of course, not just what you sow, but it says this, to the measure you sow, that's how harsh it's coming back. Or, I want to hear this, if you're seeding mercy and kindness, that's how much powerful it's coming back. So there's this amazing principle. It's true for all people. And God's waving, it's out of his goodness going, hey, if you're going to sow this in, it's going to come back. But if you sow life, you're going to get life. And the Lord wants us functioning in life. That's his plan, design, his heart for every one of us. And so he's going, hey, the constant criticizing or the complaining or the spewing anger, if you're putting it out there, it's going to come back on you. And I don't want that for you in your life. But listen, Paul doesn't stop there. There's a deeper and and even more powerful principle that he gives to us in Romans chapter two. Because he says, listen, not only when you judge others, do you get judged? And not only with that measure in which you judge, you're gonna receive, receive that kind of judgment back. But listen, in Romans two, look at what he says. Therefore, you've got no excuse, oh man, every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, You condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So here's what Paul's saying. That the thing that you often judge will be the thing that you begin to struggle with. That'll become an area of brokenness in your own life. If you look at and you see areas of sin and you want to have your way by pointing the finger often it will come back. The principle here is that you also will struggle in this particular area. It's not just what we judge and how much we get back, but it's also the very thing we're judging we become. And you've seen it and you've heard it before. We've all even experienced it uh, before. Because you can say the thing like, I'm never going to be like my father, right? That's a judgment. When you, you, you look at the wrong ways in which you were treated, and you say, I'm never gonna be like my father, I'm never gonna be like my boss, or I'm never gonna be like that person. And often you'll find yourself wrestling and struggling in the same areas. This is the nature of judgment. That the brokenness that we can most clearly see and judge in others are the sins that will begin to take root in us. And it's a scary but true principle that the Lord is calling us up and out of saying, listen, standing in judgments against others is the open door to sabotaging your own growth and joy and life and happiness. That throwing that into the ground is going to end up choking out the life and the Lord's calling us. And so the father's saying, don't jump into the trap 
Don't go into the trap. If that's the thing that everyone else is doing, you don't be the one that stands in that place. To which, again, we ask the question, well, all right, pastor, well, then are we just supposed to let every offense off the hook? What do I do with the hurts and the disappointments that I do experience? I mean, what if someone really has hurt me or they have betrayed my trust and those have had painful ramifications on my life? How do I interact and how do I interface with this? And you'll see something from scriptures, one of the, one, what, one of the almost, it's seemingly backwards and yet the Lord's protecting. Look, the apostle Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 15, look what it says. It says, the spiritual person judges all things. Now you're going, wait a second. I thought we weren't supposed to judge. Actually, you can look at Jesus' words in John chapter seven. says, here's what he says. You don't, do not judge by appearances, but you judge with right judgment. So is Jesus a contradiction of himself or, or is there something richer he's saying? He's saying, listen, I'm not contradicting myself. What I'm saying is here, I wanna invite everyone into healthy, life-giving, biblical discernment. I want my people with a razor sharp discernment for the things that are wrong and the things that are right, the things that are in my heart and the things that I stand against. I want you to understand and know and have these things. See, judgmentalism is rooted in pride and accusations against others and against God. The spirit of judgmentalism that Jesus was coming against when he says, don't judge unless you want that on you. Actually, what he's saying is there's a spirit and attitude of judgmentalism that will ultimately bring destruction to you. And it's rooted in pride and accusation. But discernment is rooted in humility. Listen, seeking to understand and care so that we might protect. I wanna say that again. Discernment is looking to care and protect people because that's what Jesus wants to do for you and me. He wants you covered and protected and cared for. So he's calling his church and saying, church, come along. Let's discern. We have spiritual eyes to be able to see. The world's got eyes to be able to judge, but the spiritual person judges things not with a pointing finger of judgmentalism and accusation, but with a spirit of humility that says, I want to protect and care for those that are around me. I want to protect and care for my, my city. I would love for New River Fellowship to be a church that wants to care for its city. To see Franklin and all of Middle Tennessee covered with healthy, righteous discernment and understanding of what God says is true. The scripture actually calls it watchfulness often. You'll see Jesus saying, just be, be thoughtful and careful and watchful, not judging in the pointing of the finger as often the church has been marked with. Can we be honest about that? That the church has been marked with the spirit of judgmentalism because in many ways we've fallen into that. And the Lord's saying, no church, we won't be with the pointing accusatory finger but what we will be a people are watchful so that we can care for each other. We care for not each other, but those that are outside of the, of the family to bring them in. And so how we act and how we treat others as we discern the truth is just as important to the Lord. How we act to be thoughtful and careful, not paranoid, not afraid, but what? Discerning. Discerning is his call on our lives. 
Uh, so we were meant to have discernment, to see what's right and to see what's wrong. That's a call in our lives. All right. But not to do it with anxiety, putting people down, looking for people's mess ups. Right? Not to have venom in our attitudes, but to be able to say, Lord, am I willing, as Jesus said, to first look at my own stuff? As he says in Matthew 7, to look at the log in my own eye before I look at the speck somewhere else. So here's the question. When you see brokenness in our nation, and it's broken everywhere, okay? Especially in this season where there's just anger and political stuff and election stuff and mask stuff and COVID stuff and all of the things that are going on. When we see sin, when we see brokenness, are we angry with self-righteousness or does our heart break with grief? This is the question and the call. Do we become people who pray with humility because we know we're, we're not without sin or do we talk with criticism and gossip? And as surely as I'm saying this to you, I'm preaching this to myself, going, what are the words and the thoughts that are coming from me? So listen, the Lord wants people that'll hold up truth. That's what our church, the church, the church and Jesus' church is meant to do is to hold up truth. But we're gonna do it in a way that is calling people into life. That truth has life in it. And we wanna invite people into it, right? And so God makes a way for us to deal with all the disappointments and all the hurts. I want you to hear this. God's inviting all of us for the ways that you have been hurt or disappointed, that we don't have to carry the judgment and we don't have to carry the anger. We don't have to sit in the seat of unforgiveness, but the Lord is the one who's willing to take those on himself if we'll bring them to him. To bring him our hurts, to bring our disappointments and to let the Lord, let those sit on the Lord and let the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords come and pull those off of our shoulders so that we can stand firm with life, with air in our lungs under the weight of what Jesus has said that he has accomplished on the cross to pull that off of our lives and to give us a hope to step into the days ahead, to be able to fully function, knowing that, listen, God vindicates all the hurts. If you're in this room right now and you're carrying a deep hurt or wound, you can stand in the place of pride and accusation against the one who hurt you. But the Lord is saying, I'll be your vindicator. I will come to you and I'll meet you and I'll speak life over you and I'm going to cover all the wrongs. But can we trust him to be the one who covers? Can we trust Jesus to be the judge? That's the invitation. When the Lord's sharing these things, he's saying, I'll do it for you. You don't have to hold it. You don't have to carry it. I'll be the righteous judge for all time. And I'm gonna cover you. I'm gonna take your hurts and I'm gonna take your wounds so that it's not the mark on you. He is so for us. He can speak life and cover us whenever we're down, right? But we have to come to him. I love the psalmist, Psalm 82. It's such a raw and real experience 
when, he's, when, when the psalmist is wrestling through what he, when he feels like he's not getting vindicated, right? It says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. And he asks, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Meaning the, the emotions are coming up. I'm not seeing vindication. I feel the brokenness here. It's not right. But what is he able to do? He's come, able to come to the judge and say, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. He's the one we can come to. He's the one that we run to. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. In fact, I'm gonna have our team come up. Is we're gonna spend this morning just coming to the righteous judge and the king for him to take the stuff in our lives and be able to give it to him. In fact, this Sunday, we're actually partnering with thousands of churches all across the nation in what's called Repentance Sunday, an opportunity to just say, Lord, we wanna repent we want to come before you and say, we have a need for you and your rulership and authority in our lives and that we've fallen short and been broken. But this morning, we're going to have the opportunity not just to do that and talk about the things out there, but just to say, Lord, we'll, we'll, we're going to trust your word in Matthew 7 and we're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, what are the things in me first that you want to move on? Can I just be honest? We, we can repent for a thousand ills in our nation but if we're not willing to deal with our own church, we're missing the mark, missing the moment. And so we're going to get a chance to do that together as a family. But listen, listen, we're doing this with a thousand other families this morning to repent. So we'll start this way. Will you guys stand with me? We're going to repent this morning with zero judgment in our hearts, but the full discernment that comes from the Father. So, Lord, I'm just going to ask right now, you guys that are with us at home, I really want to encourage you to, to dive in in this moment. We're going to take this morning, we're, we're locking hands with thousands of other churches this morning with a spirit of repentance. There are some broken, broken, broken things in our nation. But, Lord, we want to start here with us. So, Lord, we're going to open, we're going to trust your word and open ourselves up to just repent for judgments we have carried against others. Might be, might be politicians, might be someone in your home. But, Lord, we're going to trust your word first. And I'm going to give us just 30 seconds here to just acknowledge before the Lord say, Lord, here are the places I've stood in judgment. And I want to just be cleansed. I repent. So I'm not going to ask anybody to come up here. I just right where you're at. Would you just acknowledge any place where you've held a spirit of anger and judgment? And then just before the Lord say, I repent, Lord, of this judgment gets this loved one.
churches to renounce any lie that you've believed, that you won't be vindicated or covered, that the Father won't cover you, that maybe he covers everybody else that he doesn't cover you. Just say, Lord, whatever ways that I've believed that you won't come to my aid or cover me, I just renounce that lie. That spirit of judgment, judgmentalism, we cast it down right now in Jesus' name. hear the word of the Lord. In fact, you just might ask him, speak your word of life and truth over me. What would you say right now, Lord? Jesus' church. Let's just take a moment to repent for the ways where the church has fallen short in our nation. Lord, where we have not cared for the things that you cared for, or where we've turned a blind eye against the things that hurt your heart. Lord, just right now, we as your church here at New River join with churches across the nation and we just repent for the ways that we have laughed at the things that make your heart broken. We've not cared for those that have needed a voice, needed covering of a father. But would you show us what it looks like to honor your word? We repent, Lord. If there's an area, just right where, right where you're at, if there's an area that's in, that you feel a weight over the church, would you just repent and say, Lord, we just repent of this. we just renounce the lie that the church is weak and cannot do. Jesus, you said your church is able. It's meant to operate in your authority. So we renounce the lie that the church cannot step up and rise up into its destiny and calling to be the voice of life and hope power in our nation. We renounce that lie, Lord, and I pray that we would step into our righteous place 
as partners, co-heirs with Christ, who bring beauty and majesty, the beauty and majesty of the King to the public places for Jesus to be seen as the treasure of all treasures. And we just receive right now that mark. I just want to pray that over each one of you right now, myself included. You guys that are with us online, I'm praying this over you right now, that you would be covered in the glory and the goodness, the mercy and the kindness of Jesus, that every one of us would be marked in that. That this would be true over you. Be true over you and your heart, your family. True over your leadership, wherever you're at, in your workplace. True over you as you lead your family and your children. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us that. Thank you for the promise that you cover us and you don't leave us exposed. And we just finish with this, Lord. For every way, for those that are outside the church. In fact, your word says we don't judge those that are outside the church. But what do we do? We pray. We pray. There's a whole world outside of your church in our nation. There's a whole world do not trust you and follow their own way. Lord, we pray right now. We ask your covering. I pray for every politician. I pray for every community leader. I ask God they get a vision for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords over their lives. Would you just begin to name that just right now? There might, you might even be thinking of a politician that needs the covering of the Holy Spirit, the call of the Lord over their lives. You just begin to name them. Those that are in broken places, not with the spirit of judgment, but with a spirit of covering and discernment. Lord, we're asking right now for a Jesus and transvision, power, mercy, and goodness going forward. Lord, we're asking right now to cover our president. We're asking for you to cover those that are in our Senate and in Congress, every one of them. Father, governors across the nation from the West Coast to the East Coast. Lord Jesus, those that are, do not know you, have not been brought into your family, I'm asking, Lord, would you show them your goodness and show them your mercy and bring them into your family? Would you break down the chains that hold people back? Would you remove the blinders off eyes that cannot see you? And Lord, we ask on behalf of our nation, would you let your righteousness and, and rulership reign? Over every highway and byway, the small places, the big places, the big cities, the small cities, in every place and every arena, Lord, let your church rise up with powerful, beautiful discernment to put down the pointing, judging finger and to become righteous intercessors. I pray we'd become prayer warriors and intercessors and people who care for our nation, not judge our nation, but care for our nation. I pray your church would stand in that place, Lord Jesus. And every one of us that at least from this place, from New River Fellowship and all we link arms with today, that Lord, your goodness would go forward and people would be called into your family and would submit their lives to you. And we would see you as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we would see our position as those who are co-heirs with Christ, made holy and righteous, made good and given new life and new hope again. 
I thank you, Lord, that this is who you are, that this is what you're doing, that this is your call in our lives. And Lord, we choose here at New River Fellowship to step right into it. We don't hold back. Let us carry your message, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's worship.